You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Not He's so amazing. He's one of the very few people that I've had on the show twice. This is the second time. His name is Mark Mawinney. And Mark is a lifelong entrepreneur who's on a mission to help coaches build successful businesses. He's the host of a very popular podcast you've probably heard of, Natural Born Coaches, as well as the owner of a super active Facebook group for coaches called The Coaching Jungle. He's been featured in hundreds, literally hundreds of podcasts, okay? And I say that with no exaggeration, as well as major media that you've probably heard of like entrepreneur.com as well as others. So welcome to the show for the second time, Mark. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Dennis. I can die a happy man now. This was on my bucket list to do an encore appearance. So it's all good. If I go in the ground tomorrow, I'm, I'm happy. Well, I could say the exact same thing because you're here. And of course, you know, I know your, your, your humor is always playing a role in all the marketing that you do. I mean, I, on Facebook and, and email and your podcast. And so today, just to kind of tease the audience a little bit, we're going to talk about something that's a little scary and a little controversial for a lot of entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and that is using daily emails to grow your business, right? So using a daily email strategy to grow your business. Now, some people are probably thinking right now, oh my God, if I send an email to my list every day, they'd hate my guts, right? Isn't that the <laughs> natural impression you get? Yes. Yeah. That's the first impression, but Mark has a way of doing it that's actually really helping to grow his business in a big way. And I I mean, I've been on Mark's list, that list, and get his emails every single day and have for well over a year now. And so he's going to talk to you a little bit about that strategy, not only why he does it, but kind of how he does it, how he leverages to grow his business. But before we do that, you know, take a minute, just so you guys know, though, if you want to hear the first time Mark was on the show, go to episode six. He was one of the earliest episodes, like a year and a half ago when I first launched this. And I want to thank him again for, for supporting me during the launch and coming back here. But take a minute, if you would, Mark, and just kind of do a super quick intro, and then we'll dig right in. Yeah, the Cliff Notes version for me is uh, I'm all about helping coaches get more clients without paid ads. So it's all organic, not Facebook ads or Google or anything like that. So I uh, like to keep things very simple. I say even now, almost six years into my coaching business, I can still fit my offers on a little yellow sticky note. And the coaches that I help, that's my goal for them as well. I don't want them to need a spreadsheet to try to track all their offers and to have 177 steps and things in their funnel and upsells, downsells, side sells, all that other stuff. So for me, I'm all about uh, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Actually, the email fits very nicely into that. Believe it or not, it, it may seem like it's a lot of work, but email fits nicely into that simple model. Yeah, I love that simple approach. And again, you and I have known each other for a couple of years. I was on your podcast a few years ago. 
And, you know, I've kind of watched the three pillars that you use to build your business. One is podcasting, obviously, which has been huge. Two is your Facebook group. And three is this email strategy we're going to talk about today. So why don't we dive right in? I mean, why in God's name would you decide to start doing daily emails when it's so controversial? Well, for me personally, I didn't have much... I say much of a choice because I was going to kill my email account, what I was using for emails. So just a little bit of backstory for the first two years of my coaching business, I did emails exactly like everybody else did them. I would send an email out to my list once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe once every few weeks. And uh, it was very inconsistent. The emails were boring. I designed them so that it would never offend anybody or lose a subscriber and probably put some people to sleep (laughs) as a result. So I got very little from my email and I thought, this is stupid. I'm going to focus on the things that are working for me and I'm just going to cancel my AWeber is what I use. And I actually had a guest on my podcast. It was in the spring of 2016 and he's very big on daily emails. And it was from my discussion with him after our interview And he said, why don't you give it a try, Mark? And I'm like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. So I said, I'm going to give it a go for 30 days. I'm going to do it. I did it for 30 days. I'd like to tell you I made a million dollars a day or two after I started, but we know that's not (laughs) the case. (laughs) I only made 800,000. It took a week now. But what I found was with uh, before that first month was up, I did notice some uh, really cool things. I started getting replies from my list, which never happened before. I started to get um, some more engagement, but also some sales coming in. And that's what convinced me, hey, I think there's something to this. And I haven't missed a day since then. I I just checked the other day. I think I've done almost 1,300 straight days. And that's not just, that's daily emails, but some days I've done multiple. And I've done as many as my record, I think, is eight in one day, which is a little intense. That was the final day of a promotion. I have done plenty of two email days or three email days as well, but at least one email a day for about 1,300 days. So let's talk about this right up front because you've done 1,300 straight days. You've done some days where you've done multiple up to eight. The biggest question that I think the audience would have is how has that, beyond how has it impacted your sales, right? But how has it impacted the unsubscribe rate or the list size or the list growth? I guess you know, that's one of the big concerns, right? Because people spend a lot of time and energy trying to build their list and then they're scared to lose those people. So can you pull that apart for us a little bit? Because I know you have a little bit different, number one philosophy, but number two, maybe you can share some numbers with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think list size in a lot of ways is a vanity metric because there are some lists that have probably 50,000 subscribers not making much money at all. Then you see someone else's list that's super engaged with, say, a couple thousand subscribers is killing it. So I tell people not to worry too much about list size. I think that they, they get a little bit too worked up with it and they're hoarding that list and trying to not, they're, they're treating it like a Fabergé egg. They don't want to drop it and crack it. And that's the wrong approach. My list is self-purging. So when people say to me, do you ever purge your list? I say, no, I don't because I don't have to. It purges itself because some people will look and say, oh my God, Mark's emails every day. I don't want to deal deal with this and they unsubscribe. And that's fine. I probably, they would probably never become clients or customers anyways, or for whatever reason, they're not gelling with me or resonating with my message. And they're not my ideal client or customer anyways. So I would rather have a smaller list but your list will punch above its weight 
And I don't know what the exact ratio is, but I would suspect that your list would probably punch, I say five times its weight, meaning that if you have a thousand person list that you're emailing daily, it'll probably give you the kind of results of a 5,000 person list that doesn't email it consistently. And that's not an exact science, but I know that your list will punch above its weight if you do it daily. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, what I really took from that, one of the cool things and you know that I'd like to take apart a little bit is that you said in the at the beginning, you know, you were so concerned about the types of emails and the frequency and you didn't want to offend anybody because you didn't want anybody to unsubscribe. And then you just mentioned how your list is self-purging. And what I read behind that is that your strategy is designed as much to push away the people that are not a good fit for you in your business as it is to attract and retain people that are. I mean, is that correct? Definitely. So the other change I made besides the frequency, switching to the daily from inconsistent mailing, the other change that I should mention that I made was taking the the filter off and just letting it fly. So I'm not worrying if I'm going to lose people for saying something. And in fact, if you're getting no unsubscribes, it's probably a bad sign because I think it's near impossible <laughs> to, to, for that to happen unless you're being extremely boring with it. So I do certain things to poke and needle people. So you would know this from being on my list. Dennis is a type of person I don't gel with are, are politically correct people, you know, people who are overly sensitive, you know, the kind of triggered snowflakey type people. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just not my people, right? So I will say things to um, to poke them a little bit to chase them off because I don't want them to slip through. And then if I start working with them, I say something that they get offended or uh, over, and then it's a big kerfuffle uh, when we're working together in a coaching relationship with it. So I really, especially now in 2019, it's going to get even worse in 2020 with the election, of course, coming up next year. But people are way too uh, politically cracked and overly sensitive. And I don't play that game. So whenever I will post an email, something that people get uh, triggered with or post on social media, and they'll play the little game where they try to uh, get you to apologize and they make you feel bad with it. I don't do that. So I don't pull back social media posts or or emails or anything like that. I just put it right out there. And I feel better that way. And I think I draw the right people to me and I push the the right people away from me <laughs> or the wrong people, so to speak. And that's probably a better way to do it. Unfortunately, most coaches and online entrepreneurs don't do that. They try to hold on to every single person. And that's why they're struggling in most cases. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think any good marketing strategy or tactic has two two primary focal points, right? It's to draw the right audience to you and to push the wrong audience away, right? For example, if you don't do business with small businesses, you know, one, two, three man shops that are doing, you know, a smaller volume of business maybe working from home and you focus on corporate clients, you know, clients that are, you know, fortune 1000 or doing hundreds of millions Mm. in sales, the marketing message is different. It's very different. And, you know, and I think what you talk about with your coaching clients, not everybody's a good fit for you and that's okay, right? That's fine. And you're, you're okay with, with those people not being a part of your program or your list, because ultimately it's not going to be a good fit. They're not the right audience. So so thank you for taking that apart. So now let's dive a little bit into the how, right? Let's, Let's kind of pull this apart a little bit because I know you, I know this isn't just something you do randomly. I mean, there's a real strategy behind it because you've kept doing it for 1300 days. That means it's working, right? I mean, guys, success leaves clues, right? He's been doing it for 1300 straight days. 
There's probably very few people that are listening to this podcast that have done anything for 1300 straight days other than wake up and eat. Okay. So let's take that apart a little bit. I'd love to hear the how. Yeah. So, well, uh, first off, a lot of times people will ask me for a template. It's, they think there's a magical template that they could just copy and paste and then they make a bunch of money from their emails. And that's a wrong approach because it has to be in your own language. My language is different than your language, Dennis, and it's different than people who are listening. So I know it sounds like common sense, but write like you would speak. So I have people who are on my list who know me in quote real life and they say, Mark, your emails sound like you do in real life. And I'm thinking, of course they do. How else would they sound? But don't try to be someone that you're not. So I've seen this happen a lot. And this is a danger of being subscribed to too many lists and following too many influencers online is that you end up either consciously or, or unconsciously modeling those influencers. So I see this a lot with Tony Robbins, for example, people trying to sound like Tony Robbins or Brendan Bichard, Marie Forleo. I see a lot of female online entrepreneurs that are carbon copies of Marie Forleo. And that's not the right way to do it. So you should be putting it out in your own voice. So you've got people trying to copy you. And one thing with mine, and, my, and I don't know if this is a good thing or not, I have a, a very dry sense of humor. I like puns and my son gets frustrated by my dad jokes, but I have um, a kind of a weird sense of humor. I like a lot of things with pop culture, like, you know, superheroes, Superman, Star Wars, stuff like that. And I work it into my emails. So it'd be very difficult for somebody to try to imitate me just because I have those kind of quirks. So I say find your quirks and then amplify them. That would be the first thing. I should mention that I, I sell in every single email, but it's not the, you know, the internet marketing type of canned speech that is scripted type stuff you see in all the emails with the, a lot of stuff in caps locks and exclamation points and all this other stuff. I don't do it that way. My emails, I'll tell a, a quick story or give a lesson, but then I transition to a really quick call to action. So I'll say something like, by the way, I go over this in greater detail in module number two of my blank program. Check it out here. And then the link. So it's not 10 different PSs and all the hard sell type stuff. But I think it's really important to mention that you should be inviting them to do something in every single email. Maybe it's not selling your program. Maybe that link is to a podcast episode. But you should be taking, inviting them to take the next step in there. And I find a lot of people who are emailing are afraid to do that. They feel they'll be too salesy. And they're, instead, they're getting into this trap where they feel like they have to nurture and help. Just nurture, nurture, nurture. And that's ultimately hurting their sales. No, I agree. And I, I want to take that apart a little bit. You know, you said you sell in every email. And I know what you meant by selling because obviously I get your emails. It's not like you're selling a product or a service every time. Maybe you're just selling a, something you're working on. So, you know, in my mind, it, it kind of comes back to making, making offers, right? Making yes. an offer, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a new resource you've created. Maybe it's a new podcast. Maybe it's a new blog post. Maybe it's a, something completely free. But what that allows you to do by making that offer is you're able to kind of segment that list and then determine what the level of interest is in that specific offer. So maybe you're going to, at that point, use that as some sort of marketing intelligence to create some additional content or a product around that. Or maybe you're going to use that as a way to lead them into some sort of a simple sales funnel that can then later, you might be able to sell them something. I mean, is that, my gut tells me that's the strategy. I know you're doing some of that. It is. I mean, if I look at the actual, what I'm inviting them to do, 90% of it is 
something that's monetized uh, would be a program of mine or my print newsletter or my coaching or something like that. Now, the other 10% would be, maybe it's a little different, might be 80-20. So we'll say the other 20% would be brand new podcast episode that was just released. Uh, Maybe I'm doing a survey, so I'm sending them over to a type form or Wufu or something like that to answer uh, some questions on a survey. Sometimes it's a joint venture. Uh, Right now, as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of promoting a partner with that. So I'm spending time this week to promote that person. All I mean is that you should be inviting them to take the next step. And I spoke to a coach once. I, luckily, I think she's changed her thinking around this because we we spoke afterwards. But when we first spoke, she learned from somebody that told her with daily emails not to sell for the first 50 emails. And that's not 15, that's 50, five zero. <laughs> he said that you don't, you get them on your list for 50 straight days, you only nurture and and you never even make a hint that you're in business. And then on day 50, that's when you're allowed to start making offers. And I think that's a really terrible approach. People are on your list because they need help with something and you can't be afraid to to offer that help right away. So as you can tell, I'm all for helping people, but I also think that you should be compensated for that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, awesome. So Part one that you talked about was kind of be yourself. There's no template. Use your voice, kind of find your quirks. Step two was you talked about how you sell in every email or you make offers in every email. What's another component of this and, and that's helped you become successful or work, you know, work well for you? Sure. So, I mean, a few things. First off, obviously, the creation of it is what scares a lot of people. They think, oh, my God, how am I going to do 365 days of these in a year? So I'm a really big fan of batching my writing. I don't sit down 15 minutes every morning before it's set to go out. And I send them out at the same time of the day, every single day. As you would notice, uh, Dennis, when you go through your inbox and look at my emails, you'll see that they go out at at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time every single morning for that, for the main email. Now, if I'm doing multiple emails through the day, obviously there's other ones. But for that main email, it goes out at the same time. So people get conditioned to expect it. And I think that that's important instead of, Sometimes sending it out at 7.30 or so, and then 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then midnight, then 5 o'clock. And that's just, um, I don't think that's the best way to do it. So I say be consistent with the time you choose. It doesn't have to be the time that I use. It could be at 3 o'clock in the morning if you feel that's your best, but keep it the same time every single day uh, with it. But with batching, I like to keep a week to two weeks. Sometimes I'm three weeks ahead for my scheduled emails. And if something happens that, let's say there's a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, and I want to talk about that in my email, then I can unschedule the one that's set to go out tomorrow, and I can move in the one that's about current events. So there's some flexibility there. But don't if you take the approach where you're writing them 30 minutes before they're set to go out, life's going to get in the way. Your kids are going to be sick. Uh, your power is going to go out unexpectedly, something's going to happen, and then you're going to get thrown off course. So I like to keep a little bit ahead. Yeah, not only that, but it's a lot of pressure, right? All of a yeah. sudden, you you get brain freeze, and you don't have the right ideas, and you just, you're not feeling well, and it, it's not flowing. And all of a sudden, you know, you're going to put out really crappy email because you're forced to do it that last minute. Yeah. One of the cool things that happened, it was in the summer of 2017. And uh, I was traveling to Nova Scotia, neighboring province here in Atlanta, Canada. And I got, um, normally I'm a few weeks ahead with my emails. They got whittled down. So I didn't have any in the can for the next day. 
And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to have to get up early here on vacation to write something because I can't break my streak. That day's email was a very candid, uh, hey, I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, this hasn't happened to me before. I didn't have any email uh, written and prepared to go out today. And I just kind of opened up and put what was on my mind and talked a little bit about, you know, the pressures of emailing. And, and I, you know, I want to pop into your inbox here because it's really important for me to stay in touch every day. And I forget what the call to action was on that one. It might have been, hey, uh, what do you need help with now? Click reply or let me know what's on your mind, something like that. And I actually got quite a bit of feedback on that day's email from people saying they loved it, how I was just very open and honest. I wasn't trying to portray a perfect image and I'm always way far ahead with the emails and stuff like that. And I just, I exposed some vulnerability and I think that's an important thing for your emails too. Now there's a right way and a wrong way with when I say vulnerability, I find that a lot of coaches share too much. So they're going through, let's say, marital, marital breakup and they're throwing their spouse's uh, clothes on the front lawn and burning them. And then they're giving updates on Facebook every five minutes and talking about their what their spouse did and everything. Or they're, ta they're talking about having $18 in their bank account, which I actually saw a coach do once. She posted a screenshot of her bank account with like $18.46. And then she tried to turn it into a positive. You know, I've been here before and I'll come back or whatever. And then later in the day, she's trying to get clients like, hey, you know, I'll help you build a seven-figure business. There's a disconnect there. I think that that's probably being a little too vulnerable, but open up and, and don't be afraid to share with your people. No, I like that. I, I do like that because people, people recognize when people are being authentic, when they are opening up. And I think there is a line there for sure. But I know, I think that that really, again, does what you were talking, we were talking about earlier, which is kind of the lifers, the people that really get you and understand you and are a good fit are going to really respond to that. And the others aren't. And that's okay. Cause you're not here to make everybody happy. You've got a very specific audience that you work with. So. Well, yeah, in 2016, there were people in uh, uh, November, 2016 that openly admitted that they're in bed in the fetal position crying all week uh, because their preferred candidate didn't win the election. And then yet they're supposed to be the person to help you push past your fears and all this stuff. And you know, I'm not trying to say don't be upset if your preferred candidate loses, but if you're in bed in the fetal position because a politician, a different politician's in power, you got some issues. You probably shouldn't be helping people trying to solve things. You should get your own crap, you know, solved uh, with it. And, and same goes for the other side in 2020 if Trump loses. So that's what I mean by it is, is that it's okay to be vulnerable, but uh, some of the stuff I see on social media and stuff is a, a little wacky, a little too wacky. Yeah, for sure. So really quick here, how do you come up with your content ideas? I know you batch, which allows you to get ahead, right? And takes off that yeah. pressure. But as far as content ideas, you know, I mean, you gave us that example of being vulnerable, but I mean, what do you do? I mean, expand on that because I think that's a little bit intimidating for people. Yeah. Well, it gets easier. I, I will say when you start doing daily emails, you've been doing them for a while, you'll get ideas coming out all over the place, just pop out of left field. And this will happen. I get mine from, let's see, books I'm reading. I'm the type that highlights and writes notes and stuff in my book. So if I'm ever stuck, I go to my bookshelf or my Kindle and I've got plenty of ideas there. But I get ideas from books that I'm reading, blogs, movies, TV shows. Let's say uh, my life or my clients' lives. Of course, if I'm going to share something there, I'm careful with confidentiality and stuff like that. But there's ideas uh, from there as well. Another great way to do it is with Facebook groups. If I was ever stuck or if I am ever stuck, I could just pop into my Facebook group, scroll down the wall, 
and pick out a post. Somebody might have been asking a question in the post or something that, that jogs my thought process. So a good example is one day I was looking for ideas and uh, I think I was in Ryan Mickler's Order of Man Facebook group, which has like, I think, 40, 50,000 people in there, quite a few members. And there was a member in there who put up a post about, and he was dead serious. I thought it was satire or joking around. He, he was looking for advice on how to pull his own tooth to save money, to not go to the dentist. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. So oh uh, not, not to make light if, if anyone's going through some money issues, in the ha- but I, I think you should probably cut back on the Starbucks or something before you're getting into doing your own dental work. And I turned that into an email with uh, talking about the same thing as coaches trying to do everything themselves and, and not get help and, and try to build their business that way. I tied it into that. I wouldn't have had that idea had it not taken time to scroll down some Facebook group walls. Another one's Reddit. Reddit, I mean, it's a bit of a cesspool with some of the stuff, but it's great for ideas. Uh, there's another site which is kind of interesting. It's not always suitable for work, but if, you need, if you're looking for kind of an out there way to get ideas, believe it's called fmylife.com. F as in Fred, uh, fmylife.com. It's real life stories from people and kind of funny stories. I've used that site before and gone on there and that jogs my memory or or my creative process uh, with it too. So whatever I say, whatever you're writing, don't be boring. So Richard Nixon had a quote. He said, the only thing worse than being wrong is being boring. I think the same thing online. So you don't want to put out what everyone else is putting out there, that kind of boring content. Be different. Don't be afraid of offending people and you'll do better that way. I love it. Those were great ideas. One site that you didn't mention that that I've used, and I'm going to go and check out some of yours because I think these are really great ideas, is I use Quora sometimes, right? Because yeah, sometimes people put some really interesting questions there. And when they get a ton of feedback or they have a lot of activity on it, I think that's usually a topic that resonates with people. So sometimes I'll use a filter like that. But I like some of these other ones, particularly the Facebook groups. And then, um, you know, like you said, some blogs and movies. I do that sometimes as well. So, no, those are great sources of inspiration for for new ideas for content, especially when you're doing it as, as frequently and as well as you do it. So, hey, listen, Mark, anybody, anything else you want to add before we close it out today? Well, I'll mention when you do get an idea for an email, write it down because I have had ideas no before doubt. in the shower and I'm like, that'd make a great email. Five minutes later, I'm brushing my teeth and stuff. I'm like, what the heck was that email? So I, I this is going to sound funny and maybe it sounds a little bit uh, extreme, but I keep a notepad in my bathroom <laughs> to write down these ideas. And I know that there's even whiteboards that you can have in the shower with these uh, waterproof type markers or whatever that some people use too. I haven't gotten that far. But once I'm out of the shower, sometimes I can have three or four email ideas and I jot them down really quickly before I lose them and they float up into the, the air somewhere. So that, that would be a final piece of advice. Jot those ideas down before you lose them. Yeah, I have a little, uh, in my, I use my iPhone and what I have is I have the little notes section and whenever an idea comes up, I've just trained myself to go in there, jot down one line and just keep, I keep it in this little repository. So I think that's really great advice because nothing's more frustrating than coming up with a really great idea and then forgetting it later. So, Hey, listen, thanks a lot, Mark. I really appreciate it. I, you know, I'm a big fan of your, your podcast. I'm a big fan of your group and I'm a big fan of this email strategy. That's why I wanted to have you here on the show. So let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you do, your podcast, the Facebook group, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, sure. So the website is naturalborncoaches.com. And the Facebook group, we'd love to have you in there. You can get there at thecoachingjungle.com. Awesome. 
Listen, Mark, really appreciate it, my friend. Have an awesome day, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Dennis. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now, and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.